This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Take a deep breath. Relax. Inhale through your nose and exhale through your mouth. Sit back and close your eyes. Gradually release the tension, starting from your toes, working up your legs to your pelvis, and from your fingertips, slowly up your arms to your shoulders. The Stacking Benjamins Show, no matter how bad it gets, is your favorite podcast. I will count backwards from three, and when I snap my fingers... You'll be overcome with delight at hearing the start of this episode. Three, two, one. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's The Stacking Benjamin Show. Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and how do you make the best moves in an ever-changing investment landscape? Well, you listen to experts, of course. If you tuned into our last Stack YouTube, even then you'll probably remember today's guest, the head of retirement thought leadership at T. Rowe Price, Josh Deitch. Plus, remember what the cake boss did to his hand? Oh, God, it's nasty. We'll share an update and one supposed pro's view that the stock market is a Ponzi scheme. So many knuckleheads, so little time, all during our headline segment. And of course, we'll toss out the Haven Lifeline to Randy, who has a comment about living abroad. He's lived in Colombia. Hey, Randy, I lived in Vermont for three days. That's way abroad, too. And we'll close down this show as I deliver my tasty dessert-themed trivia. And now, two guys who are the nuts on this Sunday of a podcast. It's Joe and O-J-J-J-J-G. And the happiest Wednesday to you. I am Joe Salci. Hi, Average Joe Bunny on Twitter. This is the greatest money show on earth. We're so happy you're along for the ride. And across from me, the guy who is the clown act in the circus, Mr. OG. I've got the big red nose <laughs> and the big shoes. Is that what you're saying? Uh, you know what they I am say. not the fake OG on Twitter and very close to a thousand Twitter followers, by the way. But they say big shoes, big nose. They do say that, right? They do. Yep. Yes. Absolutely. Happy Wednesday to everybody. We got a great show today. Wednesday. Dash Jach. Man, I can't pronounce anything. How about Josh Deitch from T. Roll Price? If you attended our stack event, Restacking Your Benjamins, early this summer, you saw Josh and he's back with some data about how people use their retirement plans. Who's being naughty and who's being nice, OG? We're going to find that out. We've got a great show today. By the way, before we get into that, if you're somebody that likes our headline segment, get headlines six days a week from Bobby Rebell and I. That's Money with Friends. It's our other podcast. Head over there wherever finer podcasts are distributed. We've got a great show today. We got no G. I've got my hand raised. No yeah. one can see. <laughs> why do you would, why do you raise your like hand? The, I would like the record to reflect that would be Bobby Rebell and me. Me be Bobby Rebell and I. You be, you be, and I rebel, Bobby. Yes. And now that we have the English lesson, it's time for some headlines. So let's move. Hello, darlings. 
And now, it's time for your favorite part of the show, our Stacking Benjamin's Headlines. I think we could collectively call today's headlines, when you put them together, a dumpster fire. Oh, Just all right. complete cool. dumpster fire. It's my favorite day. I thought we didn't talk about politics on the show. (laughs) It's a whole different dumpster fire. Uh, This one comes to us from the Today Show. Lindsay Lowe wrote this. You familiar with this guy, the Cake Boss? Do you know him? Not personally. Nor have I watched a single show. Reality TV, but you do know who he is, no? No, no, no. I I am aware that there's a television program called Cake Boss. Yes. the extent that I... His real name is Buddy Velastro. His show, big hit among people that like. I think his real name is Buddy. <laughs> I think so. Yes. It's on his driver's license. It's not a. It's not I, George or something. Everybody like calls call him Buddy. Buddy. Yeah, I've no, not, you, you said his real name. I want to be very particular about this. I have no idea. I mean, I I often call you shithead, but but, I, but you don't say that's my real name. But I don't say that. That's a good point. It's a very good point. Anyway, Buddy. Cake we boss. went to see, we went to see the cake boss one time driving through New York and man, this is quite a few years ago now. Cause my kids were looking at colleges. So we stopped in Hoboken, New Jersey, where his uh, bakery is. We got there, I think just after open the time that open, we were three blocks away. OG three blocks. And we stood there for 40 minutes waiting to order something from his bakery line did move mm. barely. Moved. We actually then walked up to the bakery just to see it on our way to our car, just took a little detour so we could at least take a picture of the front of the store. And the line was crawling. You, did, you, did, just you didn't do moved. the whole like, Bill, Bill. Hey, yeah. hey, hey, how you doing? And just hey. kind of like sneak in there. Like, I'm just going to, I got my, my buddy, my, my buddy's up here. Yeah. He's, he's, uh, I j- I'm just going to say hi and grab a couple uh slices of, Whatever. Uh, yeah. Yes. Didn't do that. Apple All right. So no, what's up with did not uh, do what's that. up with your buddy buddy? Well, I I think some people may have heard the story. This is now a month old, but like all millionaires in New Jersey, he has a bowling alley in his basement. Well, yeah, obviously. And so he was bowling and that pin setting machine, you know, you knock the pins down, it automatically picks them back up. Yeah. Wasn't working. So he did something that he's done many, many times. He went back around to the back of the machine. He stuck his hand in there to, I don't know, to jiggle it or fiddle fiddle with it, whatever you do to it, to get it to work. But this time the thing decided to come straight up, crushed his hand, impaled his hand, by the way, and then continued to move and go in and out, in and out of his hand. In fact, Hmm. uh, the only way they were able to get the thing removed from his hand was his son had to go get a saw and had to saw the piece completely off so he could get his hand out of the machine. I'm going to go throw up now, so just a moment. And of course, but wait, there's more. It was his dominant hand, and he's a dude that does these very intricate cake decorations for a living. Oh, you're talking about his dominant hand for cake decorations. Okay. Good news follow-up story from Lindsay Lowe, as I mentioned. Cake boss Buddy Velastro practices cake decorating again, After serious hand injury, Buddy Velastro slowly but surely getting back to decorating cakes. The Cake Boss star shared photos of himself adding icing embellishments to a white cake with his left hand after his dominant right hand was seriously injured in a gruesome bowling accident. And and they're showing him, and man, is he concentrating. Just imagine spending your whole life decorating cakes with your right hand, and now, now it's his left hand. And that's why you have own occupation disability coverage. It's exactly what I was thinking. I'm like, man, you know how much money this guy makes? I know that he has in the Venetian at Las Vegas has a bakery and a restaurant there. I mean, this guy has turned into a national and international superstar. And yet people OG say, "Ah, I'm pretty safe with my stuff. Pretty safe. I mean, buddy, but he's a cake decorator guy. What bad things could happen to him that would... Well, this is, uh, there's this story, there's the story of the surgeon who slams his hand in a car door and has nerve damage. Own occupation coverage for your work is really just that. It's your ability to do your job. That doesn't mean he can't go teach this. He can't, he could still be a TV personality and make just as much money probably being a TV personality 
as he could or does from his bakery business. But that's not what you're protecting. You're not protecting your ability to go make some money. You're protecting your ability to make the money doing the thing that you're trained for specifically now. So most group coverage doesn't have this. A lot of individual coverages do. But you want to make sure that you've got what's called own occupation coverage on there. You know, in his case, if you could never decorate another cake, but he could judge cakes or he could do his TV program, he still gets to make money. And his disability policy still pays him because he can't do his his other job. He's cleaning up. Win-win. Yeah. Yeah. He's he like, just... can I do this to my other hand? <laughs> Who needs that yeah. dominant right hand when oh, I can but, make uh, tons of money? It reminds yeah. me of the movie Office Space when the dude gets disabled and he's in this He gets full... in a car accident because he's... he's trying to kill himself. He's in this absolutely full metal, metal thing holding his body cast. N- body cast neck in place. And uh, he tells the main character this line. Good things can happen in this world. (laughs) (laughs) I bet that's what Buddy's thinking right now. You know, this has been a blessing. It's been probably not. Another point here is, is that I would often have people tell me that they were very safe in their life. But this was a random thing, right? I mean, this was this was completely random, OG, and it happened at home. You look at disability statistics, that's the way it always happens. You're going about your day, you're in your garage and something falls on you, right? Or you're, you know, going up the ladder like you have 30 times to put yeah. the decorations on the house, your foot slips, and that happened to a client of mine. That was ugly. Yeah. It's like mom says, it's not you I'm worried about, it's the other guy. <laughs> it is the other guy. In this case, you're the other guy. You're the other guy. Yes. Wait, I'm the other guy. Oh, you think that one's bad? I feel bad for Buddy. I I, seriously, I mean, we're... Oh, yeah. Nobody wants their hand impaled. Especially their dominant one. The, uh, especially the dominant. If only it were the other one. Would have been way better. Our second headline comes to us for an entrepreneur. Ready for this one? Tom Wheelwright wrote this. He's a CPA author and founder and CEO of WealthAbility. The stock market is a legal Ponzi scheme. Did you know that? Okay. (laughs) Stock market is a Ponzi scheme. I love this. I saw this and went, oh boy. Oh, here we go. And Tom definitely has a point of view. Clearly. Here we go. Tom writes, why is it that an overwhelming amount of Americans believe the stock market's the best place to invest their hard-earned money? When you really think about it, it's essentially a legal Ponzi scheme. No, it isn't, Tom, and I've thought about it a lot. But anyway, the success of your investments depend on people coming in after you and investing at a higher price. No. No, they don't, Tom. The success of your investment is based on a company having earnings and people owning that company. That's what the success of your investment is based on. As more and more money goes in, the prices go up. But when less money goes in, like when baby boomers retire. We've been hearing this. I was thinking about this the other day because do you remember Ken Dykewald? Mm-hmm. Age, age wave, dude. Like I he do was like, remember Ken Dow 30,000. And everybody laughed at him. Of course, he was about two decades too early on calling that. But uh, you know, his prediction was, of course, that it was going to happen in the mid-2000s, you know, 2007, 2009, something like that. That was kind of the thesis then, too, was, you know, because of all the baby boomers retiring, they're going to be in, you know, they're going to the, 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 like peak or, or about to retire at the time. That peak earning was going to drive the market higher and then it was going to just plummet to the ground. Harry Dent. How many Harry downturns Dent. is Harry Dent called? 700. Of the last two. Yes. Yeah. Except for the fact that isn't Gen X now have more money than boomers? I thought maybe that's good. Well, maybe, maybe not. Maybe not. That well, you're welcome, America. Yeah. Like when baby boomers retire or people pull out because they lose their jobs, the prices start to fall. And then you know what happens, Tom? Then other Companies people innovate. go, ooh, this company's a great opportunity. I'm going to buy into this and I'm going to own a piece of this, of this the, actual the working operation. Figure out how to be profitable. How is he a CPA? 
Like, and, and, and seriously not knowing this, like he does taxes for businesses all the time. You take, well, the, what's the alternative? Does he have a, does he have a suggestion or is his suggestion is like, Oh yes. Screwed? Of, of, of course he has suggestions. Are you kidding Thank me? God. Cause there's right. way better places to go. Let's hear it. He says, regardless of if it makes the most sense, financially Americans continue to invest in 401k because it seems like the easy solution. Money's taken directly out of your oh, check. He's related to the TikTok person. You receive a tax deduction and some employers match your contribution. So what could go wrong? You're to put it plainly, Tom says, Tom's going to put it plainly for us, OJ. Thankfully. Yep. Your retirement depends on everyone else putting money into the market. Again, no, it doesn't, Tom. It depends on businesses continuing to operate. That's what it depends on. Anyway, better places. Consider investing in these alternative options to take matters into your own hands. Number one is real estate. Okay. And by the way. Because that never goes bad. Oh, never. No. 2007, 2008. That, that was nothing. You know how it, 2007, 2008, more like 2005 through 2015 for a lot of places. In some places, 2005 to present. Do you know what drives me crazy is I heard this false dichotomy three times on the day that I found this piece. People saying stocks versus real estate. It isn't stocks versus real estate. Over long periods of time, they both get you where you want to go. It's stocks. Wait for it. And... The power of and real estate. So real estate is where we should just, yeah, because that's, that never. He kills. And it's always pay on time. He kills his own argument with his especially first during, thing. Especially during COVID. He actually makes real estate sound slimy with his first right, assertion here. Listen to this. The government wants you to invest in real estate and will reward you for doing so with a plethora of opportunities to reduce your taxes, including the bonus depreciation deduction, 20% path through deductions, low income housing credits. Neither of which you can take if you're, you can't take bonus depreciation on real estate properties and you can't, unless you're an actual real estate, like a realtor. Like if you're you and me, you can't do QBI on that. But he lost me even before that, OG. The government doesn't give up flying how Hello. you invest. The government wants you to invest in real estate. <laughs> government can't even figure out how to operate Washington. The government doesn't. It's it's not like Donald Trump and Nancy Pelosi and everybody on Capitol Hill put their heads together and went, you know what we're going to do? We're going to make it so real estate is the thing that everybody invests. What, what, what do you guys think? They can't agree on anything. The government doesn't want you to do crap. I'm just a big fan of the fact that he is completely false on his first two points. <laughs> oh, it gets better. Next spot, oil and gas. United States been working to reduce dependence on foreign oil for years. And lucky for you, the government provides huge tax benefits to those who invest in oil and gas. You don't invest for tax benefits, Tom. You invest to make money. Real estate's good to make money. Oil and gas has been great lately to lose your ass. <laughs> and talking about, let's skate where the puck's going here. I mean, I'm not convinced that, the, that we're going to go like flip a switch and all of a sudden be completely like wind and solar and wave energy but it's coming right it's not going to happen tomorrow and it's not going to happen maybe in the next 10 years and there's a lot of people on the other side of that fence that are like clawing and grabbing and trying to make sure that there's you know they got to keep their stuff going i get that there's a lot of a lot of pull on the other side but you can't stop innovation it's very expensive. I looked at like how, how much it would cost to, you know, Tesla has the the roof shingles now. They have the solar panels you put on your roof, and then they have shingles that look like shingles that are made of solar whatever energy absorbing yeah, material. Sweet. Non-destructible. They can never fall off. They warrantied forever, and you never have to use electricity. Now, it's super expensive. It's hundreds of thousands of dollars. But that's the today cost. That stuff, if you think about Moore's Law and how that technology is just going to continue to get better exponentially over the next decade. Well, I'm pricing television. Or 20 years. I'm or pricing 30 years. Televisions right now and the newest technology out for televisions 55 inch screen, $1,500 to $2,000. Yeah. Two year old technology, $395. Yeah, yeah. So again, <laughs> won't stop using oil and gas i don't think for stuff because it has other 
applications in the industry, but it's going to be a different. He's got an, he's got another one. OG. Okay. Agriculture. Well, investing in agriculture is another great way to diversify your portfolio. In fact, the United States allows a hundred percent deduction for the cost of running a farm, including the cost of feed, seed equipment and other operating expenses. Are you kidding? You know, it's crazy. The U.S. government also allows 100% deduction for expenses running a car manufacturing plant, a car, <laughs> uh, you know, a car wash, uh, Uber business, a uh, financial planning firm, a podcast company, any any business deduction for any business. The IRS allows 100% of that. Farming is a great profession. I'm not knocking farmers. I think it's highly technical. It's becoming more technical every year. Why the hell am I going to go invest in something like agriculture when I'm Bob from the city, right? I'm just, oh, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to just go plant a few seeds in my backyard and we'll sell those things and sell it off to uh, Welsh's and birdseed. And we're going to make some money. Apple made $58 billion last quarter. Maybe I'll take a little of that. No, it's a Ponzi scheme. It has nothing to do with the fact that Apple is a well-run company and somebody else can run it and I can be part of it. Well, hell, even if it is a Ponzi scheme, so be it. I'm at the bottom, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, why? Now, number one, shame on you, Tom, for implying, not even implying, saying that investing in your 401k is stupid. Maybe he's dating the TikTok person. What that person loves stocks. You just trade for a couple hours. No, I was talking about the other TikTok person. The oh, the annuity person. person that we had a few weeks ago. Right. The yes. non four hundred one k. Don't do the four hundred one k. Put all your money in an annuity. Yeah. But also these false dichotomies that it's that it's either or. Real estate is fine. We, by the way, have talked to people from Acre Trader before on the show. Owning mm-hmm. owning land where you've got some professionals buying it for you. I'm not adverse to that if you're a person who who's an accredited investor and meet the standard for that. And you understand what you're getting into. That's not farming. That's, that's owning real estate that happens to be farmland. No problem with any of that saying that one is bad and the other one's good. Oh my, 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 my. One thing I know that is good though. OG, just to get off this rant for a minute is the Jordan Harbinger show. Jordan Harbinger show is a podcast that you should definitely check out since you're a fan of interesting discussions and high quality, fascinating guests. You should hear one of his latest episodes, by the way, true confessions from a fake psychic. (laughs) Just, I just, I always wonder as a guy who also is always trying to surprise people with guests and who's coming up next on the show. Jordan always surprises me at the very least. And then I find myself in a discussion that I'm enthralled with. Show covers a wide range of topics through weekly interviews, heavy hitting guests, ton of episodes rooted in the business and tech space. Not only should you check out the interview with the fake psychic, but also recently how to change anyone's mind with uh, Jonah Berger. Oliver Stone was just on talking about writing, directing and surviving the movie industry H.R. McMaster, of course, has a new book out, and he is on the show. You're going to get a little bit of everything when you listen to Jordan Harbinger. I love it. I think you will as well. So search for the Jordan Harbinger show that's spelled H-A-R-B as in boy, I-N as in Nancy, G-E-R, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, the Jordan Harbinger show. I think our takeaways, though, from these pieces, number one, OG, Get your disability insurance right. Get it in place and get it right. So that after you're done hacksawing your way out of the bowling machine, is that too far? No, no. It's good visual. I like it. Ugh. Ugh. You uh, pooling on the bowling lane. Oh, yeah. You can at least get, uh, get uh, some compensation. And then second, somebody tells you invest in this because the other thing's bad. Maybe, but you got to wonder what they're selling. Our guest today leads retirement thought leadership at T. Rowe Price. If you joined us this summer, 
for restacking your Benjamins event, you will know that uh, Josh Deitch is not only a guy who speaks very plainly, but a guy who also has his finger on the pulse of why people are doing behaviorally some of the things with their money that they are. So if you're interested in investing, interested in actually your 401k at work, unlike Tom in our headline segment, you're interested in that. We have a great discussion and some new data from T. Rowe Price about who's using their 401k the best. Let's say hello again to Josh Deitch from T. Rowe Price. And joining me on my dad's shortwave radio from T. Rowe Price, it's our friend Josh Deitch. How are you, man? Not too bad. Thanks for asking. I was so happy that you come back after the live event. I had a lot of fun, but normally, Josh, I don't know if you know this, we kind of scare people away. So it was good of you to come back. Either that or I'm foolish. <laughs> one, one or the other. He's like, hey, it can't be bad twice in a row, but soon you will see, my friend. Soon you will see. Well, I was very interested when I was reading recently about a study that you and your team did really comparing this financial crisis to the last one, and I think is a way of introducing this, but put me at the table when you guys decided to do this study, what were you thinking and what did you decide to approach with this? Well, it's interesting. You know, we do this study every year, quite frankly, when the coronavirus pandemic came about, our whole world got turned upside down. And obviously, a lot of people's worlds got turned upside down. It, it got us thinking, how do we look at this data in a way that provides a little bit of context? Because when we do this study, we're often analyzing the data you know, six months after we get it back. And so we started thinking, it's like, well, we've got this was a year ago. A couple of years back, we looked at you know, what people remember doing during the global financial crisis. And then we also have all this great transactional data from our record-keeping business. You know, so what are participants doing right now? And we thought, well, geez, wouldn't it be kind of neat to be able to say, well, where were people a year ago? Where are they today? And what did they do 12 years ago? So by global financial crisis, for our younger listeners, there was this horrible crap that happened back in 2007, 2008. Were you at T. Rowe Price then, by the way, back then? No, I wasn't. I was an industry consultant, still working in the retirement industry, but very different perspective. I remember then, I remember early on, and this is maybe 2006, I'm at my kid's swim meet, Josh. And my friend is reading the Wall Street Journal. Of course, you know, you're at these swim meets all day long and your kid swims for 17 seconds. So we're sitting there passing the time. He's reading the Wall Street Journal and he turns to me, he goes, you know, this mortgage situation I think is going to blow up. And I was a financial planner at the time. Really think so? You think this is going to be a big deal? And of course, later on, we found out just how horrible it was and how many people lost their houses, lost their jobs. Of course, I was in Detroit where the auto industry was horrible. But this was a time, this was a time, again, where people felt like things were being turned upside down. What did you find out then about people? What happened to them then at 2008 that uh, impacts us today? Well, what's interesting to me is comparing the circumstances around, you know, how people save in retirement plans. You know, some of the things that we take for granted today either didn't exist or were nascent during that time. Remember, when the global financial crisis hit, the Pension Protection Act had just been passed. And for those that aren't sort of pension geeks, the key things that came, or some of the key things that came out of the Pension Protection Act was a safe harbor for employers to automatically enroll their employees in their retirement plans. And with that was also the creation of what's called a Qualified Investment Default Alternative, a QDIA, which is really jargon for we're going to enroll you in the, in the plan and we're going to put you in an age-appropriate target date fund. None of that existed back then, or, or I should say it was really early days where maybe 
you know, let's say 30% of employers were doing it then, now two thirds of employers are doing it. And what we know about people who are defaulted into their retirement plans versus those that have to affirmatively say, yes, I want to save, and this is how much I want to save, is once the employer makes that decision for them, people generally don't revisit the decision. In you know, sort of academic circles, they like to call them inattentive investors. We're using behavioral finance insights to understand that once we put people on the, the right path, that path is likely to continue. And so when we look back then to where we are today, we see that people are actually benefiting from this because A, more people are saving. They're saving at you know, higher rates and their asset allocation is better because they're invested in target funds or other similar strategies that, that qualify for the this, this safe harbor created in the Pension Protection Act. So those are some of the fundamental differences that we see today. So what you're saying, if I'm hearing you correctly, people that got in, got diversified, whether it was because of the fact that it was this uh, opt-out situation, right? Uh, but you, you're going to put me someplace, you can opt out if you want, but people don't. They just let that happen. Or they set it up. You're saying if they set it and forget it, those people have done best? Yeah, I mean, largely because they've ridden the the high, you know the lows to the highs, and everywhere in between. They're not trying to time the market. We also know that the behavior of investors who are invested in target date funds is generally different than that of those who set their own asset allocations. So we've touched on a couple of the the behavioral characteristics. But what that ultimately translates to is what we see today, you know, if we just sort of look from March to the end of July, at least among the, the participants, you know, that we, you know, record keep on, on behalf of their employer, less than 2% who are invested solely in target date funds have initiated any kind of trade. Versus what about other investors? If I look at those that don't have anything invested in target date funds, over 11% have initiated some sort of transaction. Wow. So you see there's more than a five-fold increase. Another thing to look at is what happens if I trade at the wrong time? None of us is omniscient. We don't know when the market bottom is. We certainly don't know when the market top is going to be. But you know, if you stay invested throughout the cycle, you're going to end up ahead. And that's one of the primary benefits of being in a target date fund. You have teams of, of researchers and investors developing a point of view to have an appropriate asset allocation based on your age and when you intend to retire. That most of us individually can't compete with that, with that kind of intellectual horsepower. We actually, it's funny, Josh, you wouldn't know this, but we talk smack a lot about target date funds. Uh, we we actually point to your target date fund and a few others as the exception, because as you know, there are a lot of target date funds out there, which are just fees on top of fees on top of fees. Also, target date funds generally quote, you know, this is a horrible phrase. Oh, gee, my co-host hates this phrase, but target date funds often land the plane earlier than maybe you should. Uh, land the plane. I know I just saw the gentleman who's stepping down from leading the T-Roll price charge on target date funds, the creator, I believe, of target date funds for T-Roll price. At the Morningstar conference, I saw him talk and made some compelling arguments for them. But I love what you're saying here. It's about your behavior. If you just set it and forget it and you don't try to initiate trades, uh, you're going to come out farther ahead. Yeah, I mean, uh, we have large teams looking at this. It's really hard for an individual to have all of those skill sets to do it on their own. The, the basic point that- It just that makes I, it easy, I think, is what you're trying to say. It's easy and better yet, it's informed. Yeah. Let's move over, Josh, and talk about things that you've seen from this pandemic how has people's saving changed during the pandemic? Has it been largely good or, or are we seeing people make a lot of self-destructive mistakes? Well, you know, it's interesting. Uh, you know, a moment ago, I, I mentioned 
the effects of the Pension Protection Act, where people are more commonly defaulted into participating in their employer's plan and their, their employer sets their contribution rate and oftentimes either gives them the option or does it for them of increasing that contribution rate every year. And what we've largely seen is that investors are staying the course. You know, roughly two and a half percent of the participants, active participants, have stopped saving. And less than 6% have actually reduced their savings. Oh. So what I would take away from that is that someone's willingness to save or ability to save is really a function of their human capital, their employment. And those that have been able to maintain their jobs continue to save. At the end of the day, retirement is still out there. What other choice do you ultimately have? Well, and speaking of that, Josh, one question I had was, in your study, I see that younger workers were much more likely not just to stop saving, but also to tap into their retirement, right? To go grab some of that money. Do you think that's a function of retirement's a long ways away and hell, I've got these other priorities? Or is it because of the fact that younger people more likely to be the ones losing their jobs? Um, there's certainly an element of that, but I, I think it's the distance, because generally what you would expect to see is that the closer you are, you're trying to take advantage of every day to save more. Because we do see as people age, their savings rates tend to increase. It's one of those things where you're, you're trying to make it up on the back end, which is why taking a distribution really early in one's career, if one can avoid it, is essential. Because really what you're doing is unless that money's repaid, you're taking years of compounded returns off the table. We often hear people say, you know what, investing is easy enough that you can do it yourself. We often talk about the fact that in a lot of ways, investments, as you know, Josh, over your and my career, investments have become more and more of a commodity. Yet when it comes to advice and people's need for advice, I was kind of surprised the way people came out. People really strongly in your study showed that they they need advice. It's interesting to me because it's one of those circumstances or those points in time where you say, well, maybe this time it's different. Like I've been in this industry long enough to remember when the first sort of online advice providers came into being. And it's been a good well, it's been almost 20 years. And now we're finally seeing some of these things being consumed. And it's not because the information is fundamentally different, but the user experience or how people engage, or in other words, how people engage with it is fundamentally different. When I entered the industry, everything was a piece of paper or a meeting. Right. And now a lot of this information can be digitally consumed, you know, whether it's on, you know, for dinosaurs like me on a PC or my kids will watch a YouTube video on their phone or other platforms. Basically, it, it's sort of like not to, um, what was it? It was a, it was a Burger King that you could have it your way. <laughs> well, you know, it's like you can consume this information how you want to consume it. It's not, you know, one way or nothing. But it is funny. The more we have access to information, I think the more important it is to have that curated, right? To determine, I've got so much information at my fingertips, Josh. I don't know what's important to me and what's really not. Yeah, that's true. But also from a provider standpoint, we're much smarter about how we curate things because, you know, with the tools available from a marketing perspective, we can serve information based on past consumption of information or be anticipatory about what information might be of value. And what's really interesting to me is that the type of information that's being consumed isn't what it would have been 20 years ago. 20 years ago, it would have been largely focused on getting people in a plan, how much to save, and the asset allocation. Well, the Pension Protection Act pretty much solved all that. 
now we can educate on everything else. How do I balance my long-term retirement saving against how I spend my money today or other you know, needs for, you know, whether it's paying down short-term debt like credit cards or student loans or saving to buy a house. People are seeking information to make decisions that have to be integrated with other decisions. And to me, it's really exciting that, you know, while the circumstances of a global pandemic are certainly not ideal, but the fact that people now know where to go to get information and are consuming it, I think that's pretty exciting. I think that is too. I mean, the fact that what you're talking about is now I have customized information available that more likely dovetails specifically to what I'm focused on instead of just this broad overarching stuff. Yeah. And, and, and really it's about the consumer. Yeah, It's like, what's going to make them financially well? We were very early in developing target date funds. We were very early in promoting the benefits of the Pension Protection Act. And we were very early in promoting the benefits of financial wellness. If there's a silver lining to any of this, it's that, you know, we have this sort of catalyst event that is really sort of bringing it all together. And I truly hope that it creates like fundamental change in behavior because we all, not to get all geeky, but we all have agency in our future. And what we're seeing here is that people are recognizing that and saying, this is the information I need to make better decisions, or I need help making these decisions, or I want someone to make these decisions for me. Was that your biggest takeaway from this year's study? Yeah, I mean, I think it really is. It's exciting for the simple fact that, you know, we've been at this for so many years. I I used to joke that, you know, when you'd have an enrollment meeting, basically you would kill a forest, you know, just to print all the paper for it. (laughs) You know, (laughs) I'm laughing because it really isn't funny. But I remember those days you'd walk into a big conference room because I'd attend these meetings. Right. And, And there are just stacks and stacks and stacks of studies. We would look at maybe five pages. You would trust me as a financial advisor to look at the rest of it on my own. I'm too busy. It goes in the trash. Another tree's gone. Yeah. And the reality is your success is predicated on time, interest, and expertise. And now, you know, we're not requiring you to sign up for all three of those things or any of them for that matter. And really, it's sort of like as an industry, we're better at meeting people where they are because we have a pretty good idea of what success looks like down the road. It's meeting people where they are to help them get there because they all have to get there. And what's great about the retirement services industry is the 401k plan might be the only place where someone gets an equal level of treatment as it relates to um, their financial well-being. You mean equal level of treatment regardless of your assets, right? Correct. Yeah. I heard a rumor that you might, you just might know of a place that has, there are some more tools, some more stuff people can read. Do you know of such a location on the internet, Josh, that you could point us toward? I'm sure (laughs) tyroprice.com can help you. I'm I'm reasonably certain. We will link to tyroprice.com on our show notes page. Josh, great catching up. Uh, Sad it was on the shortwave. Uh, Next time, hopefully we're sharing a beer somewhere, man. Would love to do it. Thank you, Joe. Hello to all my number one fans out there. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. That's right. Here, standing before you at the mic, is the guy who makes this whole podcast work. Did you know that today is National Dessert Day? That's right. One of the best days of the year. And to celebrate, Joe's mom said she'd make me one That's right, one dessert of my choosing. How does this lady expect me to pick one dessert when there are so many to choose from? Let's have a top 40 style countdown of my favorites after I tell you today's trivia question. In honor of today's holiday, the question is, what was the highest grossing ice cream brand in 2019? I'll be back with your answer faster than you can get a brain freeze. 
So Kevin on our team asked me recently, he's a new member of the team. Why don't we have a place where everybody can go and see everything? And I said that we do. Uh, we, of course, have NetSuite. If you're a business owner, you don't need us to tell you running a business is tough, but you might be making it harder on yourself than necessary. Don't let QuickBooks and spreadsheets slow you down anymore. Time to upgrade to NetSuite. You can stop paying for multiple systems that don't give you the information you need when you need it, you ditch the spreadsheets, all the old software that you've completely outgrown. Now's the time to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle, the world's number one cloud business system. If you're on a road trip, this is an analogy, by the way, that I used for people with their money. And it's the same thing with your business. Why do you have, it's okay to have money diversified in different banks and different places, but why you wouldn't have one dashboard that shows you everything doesn't make sense to me, especially right now at a time when it's so easy to get a dashboard. Why is that important? Well, let's say that you have a 401k that doesn't have many small company options in it. Your IRA maybe has a lot of different opportunities for small company. If you have one dashboard, it's easy to see your strengths and weaknesses and plan on everything dovetailing together. It's exactly the same for your business. Why not have visibility and control over your financials, your HR, your inventory, your e-commerce, and more? Everything you need in one place instantaneously, that's what NetSuite gives you. So whether you're doing a million or hundreds of millions in revenue, save time and money with NetSuite. Join over 21,000 companies using NetSuite right now. Let NetSuite show you how they'll benefit your business with the free product tour. See the dashboard yourself at NetSuite dot com slash stacker schedule your free product tour right now at netsuite.com slash stacker netsuite.com slash stacker hey fellow sweet tooth connoisseurs that's right i speak french well i'm debating what to have joe's mom make me for national dessert day likely choice would be the classic chocolate cake but what about chocolate chip cookies? Yeah, but I've also been craving cheesecake lately. Or maybe better yet, I could go with the simple yet delectable Rice Krispie Treat. This isn't good. I'm even more lost than when I started this little exercise. I think I need to go take a deep look to see what I really want in life. But before I do that, let's get back to today's trivia. The question was, what was the highest grossing ice cream brand in 2019? Well, I'm not going to tell you that just yet. First, you need to know that coming in at number two, it's the German favorite, Haagen-Dazs. I thought that was from New Jersey. Huh. Anyway, they raked in $569 million in revenue. But coming in at number one, two of my favorite dudes, Ben and Jerry, who managed to pull in $681 million in revenue. Now, that is a lot of creamy delight, if you know what I mean. It's time for me to go get my sweet on with Joe's mom's dessert. See ya. Man, I miss my days in Vermont doing quality control for Ben and Jerry's. That was hard work, OG. <laughs> yeah, I bet it was. It, it was very difficult. I had to tell Jesse from MetPro that I uh, gained a little weight, but I was doing God's work. So it's important to do. Very, very important. Big thanks to Josh for stopping by. How about his date on Target Date Funds, OG? Just like Fidelity's Dead People Study. It doesn't matter what you have, as long as you just leave it alone. Behavior. Just stop mucking with it. Generally, that explains why, as I was going to say, that explains why they're seeing such great relative performance against other places. Sure. Because there's nothing to do, like you said. Yeah. And, and if you're going to choose a target date fund, let the manager do their job. Going to choose an ETF, let the strategy be what it is. The biggest problem that you and I see in investing, you want investing 101? stop changing your strategy every 47 seconds. Yeah. But what about the election? Shouldn't we? We need to maybe do I something. Should wait for, maybe I should wait for Corona stuff to, I'm just going to settle down until the new tax laws come out. I've had 87 people pitch me on things that we should do around the election. And guess how many of them? Vote. Guess how many of them That's people the are. thing you should do around the election. <laughs> One thing. You should vote. vote. <laughs> Early and often. Guess how many election-based uh, guests you're going to hear on this show? Say zero. Zero. We are not going to do it because, as you and I both know, overwhelmingly the evidence suggests the stock market will go on. It will go on. 
It will be bumpy because everybody thinks it's going to be bumpy and then it will go on. Weird how that works. Hey, let's throw with Haven Lifeline and tackle some of life's greatest questions. Our friends at Haven Life Insurance Agency, they put what you value first. I'm going to say all the fall stuff right now. Yeah, like caramel apples. I had a caramel apple the other day. I am so ready to get to a place that's celebrating fall. <laughs> oh, it's fall in Palm Springs, isn't it? It is my last day. That Today is my last day here in Palm Springs, and it is going to be, mom was celebrating this this morning, only 96. Yeah. First time below 100. I distinctly remember this conversation a month and a half ago when you were talking about going to Palm Springs. I was like, you realize it's hot there, right? Do you know like, what the... D- all the time. Do you know what the average temperature is, though, for the time that we were here? 95 degrees. Which one might argue is pretty hot. I can deal with 95 for, you know, three hours in the afternoon. That's fine. 108 and 111, whole different, whole different story. But next week, we're in the fall. And I'll be bitching about the fact that it's cold within three days. Uh, I don't know. I have a feeling I know where you're headed. And uh, I don't think you're going to be complaining. The weather should be pretty good. Pretty nice. I love the fall stuff. I love the fact that Haven Life says it's your loved ones and your time here in the fall. Great time to spend time with your loved ones. That's why they made buying quality term life insurance actually simple. You head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash Haven Life now to get a free quote. Hit the pause button. Do it now. We talked about disability insurance earlier. Do not mess up your disability insurance and your life insurance in the same episode. Stackybenjamins.com forward slash Haven Life to get your life insurance in order. Today, OG, we're going to take a letter from the mailbox. Randy, weighing in on our Guy Raz episode, said, I was just listening to your Guy Raz podcast. You were talking about other living locations. I actually lived in Medellin, Colombia last year. Remember we were talking about living abroad? He lived there as a trial run. I'm 28 years old. And threw all my stuff in a storage unit and booked a long-term Airbnb there. It was insanely easy, especially as I'm based in Florida. It was quicker to get there than the West Coast in the U.S. And the round-trip flight cost me about $150 out of Miami. While living there, I worked during the day and took Spanish lessons in the evening. I saved a boatload of money, more aggressively paying my loans down and living a much higher quality life than I have here. I think I paid about $300 to $400 or so per month in rent for a high-rise apartment in the more expensive area town. There's an enormous expat community there, also some of the friendliest locals I've ever come across. I think what I was most shocked about was how easy, in quotes, it felt. Some people thought I was crazy, but it really was a very easy transition. Want to comment? You were spot on about Columbia. It's a beautiful place full of beautiful people. Love the show. Randy. I love this idea, Randy, of going abroad. I will tell you this, that after spending uh, three months without a true home base, moving the basement around, not for me. Don't get me wrong. I'd love to live in Colombia for a month. And I also like the idea of staying in a place for a month, OG, because of the fact that you get to know the place. Now, Palm Springs largely has been closed while we're, we've been here. Yeah, I can, can't go up to the top of the mountain like a lot of people have told me to do. You wouldn't um, have done it anyway because I told you that thing spins and you were like, nope. <laughs> you lost me at the word spins. Yeah, I know. Uh, spins, we did it and I stood in one spot and wa- like I was walking with the spinning so that I would always be facing uphill. <laughs> and the guy's looking at me going, can I help you? I'm like, nope, doing good. You know, and the tiki bars, I love the mid-century modern stuff. Our time in Vermont, obviously, because it was cooler, we were able to explore a lot of Vermont during that time, a lot of uh, outdoor stuff. We did explore a ton of outdoor stuff here, the national parks. I love that. So, But staying in one place for a month allowed us to do that. I like that much better than a trip we took my senior year of high school where my parents said, hey, Joe's graduating. Let's grab the family five and see everything west of Michigan in three weeks. Do not do that. Our family fought at the same time every day. That was always great. I'm like, oh, we're fighting. What time? Oh, it's three o'clock in the afternoon. Huh. That is so weird. Not great. But I do love the idea, OG, of the trial run, you know? So I've had the trial run. I know that it's not for me. Don't yeah. all of a sudden say, hey, I heard Columbia is great. I'm going to sell my stuff and retire there. And yeah, maybe go hang out for a few weeks first. Yeah. Take a trial run. And I like it when it's a few weeks or a month especially if you have a job where you can work from anywhere. 
that's been the great part here is that because I can podcast from anywhere, we were able to keep going. Now I feel bad for you having to go to Vermont, go to Palm Springs, go to all these places, uh, just to sit across the table from me, but at least mom's been happy. Thanks for the comments there, Randy. Got a comment about the show? Head to stackybenjamins.com and we have our comment form there. But if you head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash voicemail, you can ask uh, OG and I a question about your money. All right. Said this on Monday. And you get a free t-shirt. Bam. Time is running out on 2020. A lot of us saying, thank goodness for that. But in one way, that's bad. If you want a better plan to go along with your better year in 2021, OG and his team are still taking clients. Head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash OG to get on their schedule and to see how their team can help you do better with your money. All right, that's going to do it for today. Let's lock this thing down. Doug, you've got it from here, man. What should we have learned today? So what should we have learned today? First, take a lesson from our headline. Forget the stock market. Invest in corn. Yeah, probably not. Second, take a lesson from Josh Deitch. Want to invest better? Diversify and then don't touch it. Period. Hands off. No, don't. I I just said no. Back away. Step away from the investment. Okay. But the big takeaway... I waited too long. I was so busy counting all the great options I could ask for that Joe's mom made the decision herself. The worst dessert ever. Carrot cake? Carrots and cake? Are you f***ing kidding me? Why not just go for, like, broccoli and road tar? It's pretty much the same thing. If I wanted to eat vegetables, I would have grabbed some kale. So gross. Thanks to Josh Deitch for stopping by. You'll find many resources to help plan your retirement where Josh works at trowprice.com. This show is created by Joe Saul Cihai, produced by Taylor Stevens, and engineered by the amazing Steve Stewart. Online, visit us on Twitter at SBenjamin'sCast or on our Facebook page. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and It appears I've fallen and I can't get up. SB Podcasts may receive payment on the show from sponsors and guests in the form of books, giveaway items, discounts, or other remunerations. That's a big word. There's no way you take advice from these dorks, but like Joe's mom always says, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only. And before making any financial decisions, consult with a real financial advisor. We got caught up on the boys. You got to watch the boys. You'll love the boys, OG. You, Mrs. OG, I've known you long enough. You know, the superhero thing, I know you've watched a lot of the superhero movies, but I know it's not really your your jam. But the fact that they're not superheroes for good, they're superheroes to get the stock price up, and they're superheroes based on likability metrics, I think that twist is totally in your wheelhouse. Very fun. And uh, season two getting more interesting by the day. I also have to say where at first I thought that if they got the whole series ready to go, let it all out at once and let me just binge it over a few days. I'm kind of liking the fact that I got to wait a week now, you know, that I'm caught up and I, I have to wait for the next one. Kind of makes it feel a little bit like an event when the new one comes out. Like, oh, guess what? The new boys dropped. So now we're waiting 
And while we're waiting, we fired up this new show starring John Cusack, Rain Wilson, and a bunch of other people. This is on Amazon Prime, and it's called Utopia. We all have our reasons for being in this world. We all have our purpose. is a story about a genius scientist who made horrible viruses. Ebola, MERS, Zika. Predicted in dystopia years before the first case in the real world. Yeah, you're one of those, huh? It all has to mean something. What have you done today to earn your place in this crowded world? That's great, it starts with an earthquake. You want to stay alive, come with me. They just killed every single person who's seen Utopia. Everything in Utopia is real. Viruses, biowarfare, man-made disease. I'm the foremost expert on this virus. It's a pretty serious situation. I bet your ass it's a serious situation. The Stearns flu has now been declared a national pandemic. This is a show that originally was, I believe, a British TV show. And a lot of people, OG, call it the best show that you've never seen. Amazon now has it on Prime, of course. Uh, their remake with, uh, I think it's a remake, with John Cusack, Rain Wilson, whose voices you heard there, along with some other people. What happens in this, it begins with this young couple that discovers a comic book in her grandfather's old house. And it's the original manuscript for this uh, graphic novel called Utopia. And the, the comic Dystopia, which was before it, was this huge, huge international success. So they think they're going to get rich. They go to try to sell the Utopia comic in episode one. So they go where you would go. They go to a comic book festival. And there's all these people. They're dressed up as their favorite comic book characters. They start an auction. And near the end of the auction, some people come in that really want it, and they begin killing everybody who's even seen the pictures of the book. And it turns out that a lot of the stuff in the book, the first comic books were real, and the second comic book is foretelling what's going to happen next. John Cusack is a guy in pharmaceuticals who at the beginning is being accused of... uh, killing some people around the nation with his meat that has no meat in it, uh, that it's carrying this, this meat is carrying a virus. Rain Wilson works way in the basement of this, uh, research facility at this college. Nobody pays attention to him, but he is a guy that has already researched this virus and is trying to not only gain some respect back, but also trying to help save the world. And of course the, show follows a group of four friends who were comic book enthusiasts and realized early on that they thought that a lot of this was true. And they were trying to also buy the comic book. And because they were trying to buy the comic book, the people that are killing everybody who's seen it are on their tail trying to kill them as well. This show, I've watched two episodes. The show's intense. Like on a scale of one to 10, this show's like 17 intense. Hmm. I saw some of the most grisly murders in this show. The stakes are high from the beginning of the episode to the end. The show's about 55 minutes long, the two that I watched. And the 55 minutes goes by like it's 30 seconds. You're in it the entire time. I don't know if I like it or not. I'm hanging on because the storyline is very compelling. Very compelling. There's an urgency to this story that drives it. And so this is the kind of story, though, where if the payoff sucks at the end, I'm going to be pretty bitter. (laughs) I'm going to be pretty damn bitter. It's all one just one big dream of the old guy. It's almost like one. You know how Mad Max. Did you see the last Mad Max with Tom Hardy? No, they you know, it's that whole movie is two hours of one action sequence with a small break in the middle. Every single one of these the two that I've seen so far are pretty much one big action sequence. The entire thing is just go, 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 go. It's crazy. Yeah. If it ends up being a dream, it ends up being, and then he like wakes up. (laughs) Maybe I shouldn't write that book. And that's the end of it. If it ends up being that he had some bad eggs. So no, I don't know what I ate. Mushrooms. Bad mushrooms. Bad mushrooms. That's right. Yeah. 
uh, Utopia now playing on Amazon Prime. Well, stackers, the show might be over, but the celebrations are just beginning because it is Military Appreciation Month that I want to celebrate people like my brother-in-law, Eric, who is such a giving person. Eric will do just anything for you. And as a Marine, you can see that his time in the military taught him to be a guy who gives to his community, gives to his family, and is always there when you need them. This Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate members like Eric who go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. Navy Federal's employees are part of the community they serve. Many of them are military family members, reservists, or veterans, and all branches of the military, veterans, DOD employees, and their families are eligible for Navy Federal membership. In fact, there are so many resources on the Navy Federal website, resources like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. Visit NavyFederal.org celebrate and you'll see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.